Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. In His Presence is the title of the uh, series that we're in right now, and we are talking today about a part of this message in series that's been on my heart for a while. It's been brewing, and um, I titled this message, His Presence is Not for Sale. It's not for sale. You don't get to buy it. You don't get to purchase it. It's not yours. Uh, you don't get to develop your own made-up currency to be able to try to manipulate the Holy Spirit into doing stuff for you. That's pretty much what we're going to talk about. Amen. Anybody else who wants to move on? Let's go watch the Hawks game? No. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. They get filled. Just think about this. It does not say, blessed are those who do righteousness, who are perfect and awesome and amazing and have really good hair. You do have really nice hair, Reed. But it does not earn you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Who is righteousness? Jesus. Right, good job. He is the only righteous one. He makes us righteous. He gives us righteousness, right? So when we pursue righteousness, this is the pursuit of the Holy Spirit. This is a pursuit of Jesus himself in his presence, which is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit, right? He's the part of the Holy Spirit. God is three parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're one God. God is also the Holy Spirit. And he comes and meets us with the nature and the presence of Jesus. Same nature, same presence. Same God. Jesus is perfect righteousness and the Holy Spirit makes him available to you. So when you're pursuing and thirsting righteousness, you're pursuing Jesus himself. And you'll be filled. When you do that, you get filled. Not when you behave best. Thank God. It's not when we behave best, we earn the presence. No, you hunger and thirst and go after and he fills. You might not know it, but you're thirsty. You're thirsty right now. And it might not be for Diet Coke. It, it, it really, your soul is thirsty. Your spirit man is thirsty. Look at what David says. He hungers and, and thirsts. He says in Psalms 42, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? How cool. Psalms 30, uh, 63, 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalms 143, 6. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. David understood. He had this connection with his soul, his 
his, his inner man, where he was longing just to be with God. There is a part inside of you that God shaped and made that is just longing for him and him alone. When he says there's going to be one God, I'm it, and, and you're going to have no other gods before me. Don't make any other idols. Don't make up a bunch of stuff that is going to distract you or you're going to try to fill this longing and this hunger that I made inside of you. Don't try to fill it with any other gods. They will never satisfy you. You are thirsting and you are longing to spend some time with your daddy God. If there's an unfulfilled part of you that is just always like, oh, I just need, I need something. Something's just not right. It's just missing. And you try to go grab drugs, alcohol, sex, relationships, sports. Maybe it's work, achievement. If I just make a million bucks, then I'm going to feel like I'm a success. And that longing inside of me is going to feel fulfilled. Wrongo. Not happening. Not going to happen. You will never fill it because it's only what David was thirsting and hungering for that you also are thirsting and hungering for. And God put it in there. And it's just, God, I just need to spend some time with you because I'm thirsty. Thirsty for some Jesus. I'm thirsty for some Holy Spirit time. Longing for him and him alone. That is the core longing that is happening inside of you. Longing for approval from God and longing to be with him in his presence. When we do this, see God, he is longing to be with us and he put a longing in us to be with him. And it, that longing in us can only be fulfilled by him. So we try all these other things and get distracted and discouraged and, 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 and experience suffering or a lot of pain and unrest. And we're like, oh, this is terrible. And then we find Jesus and we're like, life. Look at what Jesus said about himself in John 4.4. 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some Food, some snacks for the game. Verse 9. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than him and his sons and animals enjoyed? Jesus, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again because it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Look, this Samaritan woman is like us. And we always pre-qualify or pre-disqualify ourselves for whatever it is we 
get involved in. We look at ourselves and everything in us and we go, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. I think I deserve that. I earned that. Or we disqualify ourselves and say, you know what? I don't understand why anybody would want to be with this. The Samaritan woman was taught by the Jews that were full-blooded Jews and she's kind of half Jew and half whatever else, you know? Felt like less than, and they treated them like less than, they would never even fellowship with them. And for, for her, she's thinking, why are you even talking to me? But she's looking through the eyes of her own pre-qualification or disqualification and her own status and position in life and what everybody else says about her and has said about her. And all that stuff, when God shows up in your life and you're sitting by your well and he shows up, he doesn't even look at any of that stuff. He doesn't care about that stuff. He looks right through all of it and he will even just totally just disregard and just deflect any of the weird, stupid things you say about who he is and why you should or shouldn't love him or talk, uh, he should or shouldn't love you or talk to you or give you something. He just goes like, I don't even, this is weird. Doesn't make any sense. Totally not who I am. And he just tells you how it is. He's that good. Shows up at your well. God is wanting to show up at your well. Jesus is wanting to show up at your well so you can meet him. And not because you're pre-qualified. And he won't allow you to disqualify yourself. There's one thing that gives you this eternal kind of water and it's not based in your own natural understanding she's like how are you going to get this water out of here you don't even have a bucket what do your arms stretch out really long you lap it up i don't know how you're going to do it jesus is like you don't need to know that's not your job your job is to receive it if you believe if you knew who i was you would get something from me that will satisfy what's going on in you, that longing that's in you. You need to just ask me. And I will give, listen, give, 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 give it. Give it. The Holy Spirit is a gift, not a purchase. His presence is not for sale. You don't get to buy it. That hunger and longing to be with Daddy God, you don't purchase that time. Dad, I want to get some time with you today. I'll give you 200 bucks. Will that get me today? You don't buy time with your dad. You don't buy time with your father. You don't earn it. You don't create some kind of wild currency that somehow pulls the favor of God into your life or earns the favor of God in your life. Look at this, this kind of wild guy in the book of Acts. His name is Simon, and he was a sorcerer, and he kind of tried to do something like this, and it didn't work out so good. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. But the believers who were scattered, and, uh, scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria, and he told people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because... They were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs that he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer. 
So we call him Simon the Sorcerer, but that's not really his last name, okay? <laughs> he had been a sorcerer for, their, for many years, amazing the people of Samaria with and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Pause. Simon... And all these other believers, Philip goes around and he is ministering them. And they all, a bunch of them get saved and he does all these water baptisms. And they're watching him and Simon. He was used to having all this great power and being really important. But as all these miracles start happening, everybody's looking now to Philip. And he even goes, man, this is legit. And he gets saved. He believes. So he got saved. Then he got baptized. Right? And he declares Jesus is Lord through baptism. And he identifies with death, burial, resurrection of Christ. But he's still missing something. There was an event that got skipped over or they had missed. And when uh, John and Peter show up, they realize, wait, uh, Philip missed something here. These guys aren't all baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the first thing they do, which is what they learned from Jesus, by the way, the first thing they do is they say, let's lay hands on these folks so they be filled after salvation, filled with the Holy Spirit. Two events. Clear separation, two events. And there, there, it's really important that we see this and that we embrace this because, listen, the Holy Spirit is God. And the devil wants you to believe he's not active today. Great strategy. Because then you don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit and you think it's from Satan or you think it's weird and it's not for you today or the Holy Spirit shut this program down for some weird reason like we don't need him. I mean, you look around like we need the Holy Spirit real bad. I need him every single day because my heart like David is hungry and thirsting for this righteousness, this encounter with him. I need some daddy time. Some God time, some Jesus time. But Simon, he's a little mixed up. Because when he sees everyone getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, now they have the power, not just Philip had the power. See, he had a power problem. Simon had a little bit of a power problem. And he had an identity problem because kind of he was like the big shot around there. Now all of a sudden Philip's the big shot. He's like, oh, I can kind of deal with that. That's okay. Now everybody's the big shot. I got a problem. I need me some of that. So here's what Simon does. He's just got a wrong understanding of what God is really doing. So in verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid hands on the people, not when they paid the apostles. They didn't buy it. Right? When they laid hands on them, they were filled. 
So he saw when the apostles laid hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with your thinking that God's gift can be bought. God's gift. God's gift is the Holy Spirit. He can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent for your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. Of course he'll forgive your evil thoughts. For I, come on, Peter. (laughs) That's a little Peter moment right there. Of course he'll forgive your evil thoughts. He's saying, you repent, man. You got to get this right. God's going to forgive your thoughts. He's going to get you straight, but you need to get this straight. For I can see that you're full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. See, he was jealous that everyone was getting filled and becoming powerful and he's losing his status, right? Pray for the Lord. Uh, pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaims. Like, you do the work for me. So these terrible things won't happen to me. So there's kind of two things. One, Simon, of course, is struggling with power and identity and who he is and what he wants to be. And he's trying to leverage and buy the Holy Spirit so he can be important again. Big mistake. The Holy Spirit is not for your greed or selfishness or status so you can feel like a power person. Oh man, I want the Holy Spirit so when I go do miracles, people think I'm awesome. You can't buy the Holy Ghost. And you can't purchase your fame through the Holy Spirit. Simon the Sorcerer tried to do it. It's a no-no. It's a total no-no. Second thing is just simply the Holy Spirit is not something to be earned. He is not something to be earned. Look here. Acts chapter 1. Verse 4, once when Jesus, Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift. Not a bunch of different gifts, one gift, one special gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water in just a few days, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Second event. They all believed and were saved already because they believed in Jesus, all right? They needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he says, wait for the gift. But you you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, which is where this whole story is coming out of, right? And to the end of the earth, which is like Alaska, 15 below. (laughs) Holy Ghost, he don't care. He's still present, warming you up. That everlasting life that's available, bubbling up inside of you all the time as you hunger and thirst for him. But you have to understand, the Holy Spirit isn't someone or something you earn. He is the primary gift given to you by God. So you don't get to, you don't get to buy this experience. Earn this experience. It's just not for sale. He's a gift. Listen, when I take my wife out for dinner, 
I buy her dinner. I give her a gift when it's our anniversary. I give her a gift. She doesn't earn that gift from me. She doesn't pay me to go on dates with her. That'd be awesome, though. But she don't have to. Because I want to be with her. I desire to go spend time with her. And I hope she has a longing to go on a date with me. Sometimes, most of the time, hopefully all the time. I want her to have a longing. And this is how God is. You're his bride. You're his bride. You don't get to buy his time. You don't get to buy. He doesn't want you to buy his gift. He's given you a gift because you're his bride because he loves you. And he wants you're the best for you. And he wants to be in relationship and have an intimate relationship with you. The purchase is an offense. This is why Peter was like, so like, Simon, ah, you're freaking me out and that's crazy. You just can't, don't do that. That is way off track. You're missing everything. Look, I waited because Jesus said to wait for the gift and I did nothing to earn that moment at the exact moment on the day of Pentecost, when he wanted to come, he came on that day, specifically for a purpose, to fill those whom were hungry and desired him, not earned it. They didn't earn it when they stopped, when Jesus stopped by and said, get out of your boat and come follow me. And they didn't earn it that day. Ephesians 2, verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done so none of us can boast. Jesus is the only one that gets to boast about how awesome he is and how much he loves you and how, how lavishly he wants to pour out his generosity and love on you. But the Holy Spirit, this is the key. The Holy Spirit he is drawn to hunger. He is drawn to thirstiness, to your desire, your neediness. He is drawn to that. He loves that. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Seek him, not try to please him. We read this sometimes and we think, oh, seek him. I got to measure up. I got to do this real good or God's not coming to, 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 to spend time with me. We try to earn his presence. In the church, we try to create a currency to earn his presence. But I want you to think about it like this. The, the presence of God is like a, a gas pump, a filling station. And the attendant, the Father God, the Holy Spirit is the gas pump and the... Uh, but, you're a car, a vehicle God wants to use and he wants to be in relationship with and you're out of gas. Yeah, you're out of gas. You're out of gas. I really wish I was from New York sometimes. <laughs> Just get in the car. You're out of gas. You get in the car. The car, this is the crazy thing about the kingdom. You pull up to a gas station, you pay for gas, right? Then you get filled up. Jesus is saying, this is not how the kingdom works. 
It's a gift. You pull your car up to the station, you say, I'm hungry. It goes, all righty then. <laughs> then you'll be filled because you hunger for righteousness. It goes, oh, I want to pay for that. No, 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 no. Don't offend me. I'm the attendant now, okay? Holy Spirit's like, do not offend me by trying to pay me. I'm, I am the gift. I'm the gift. This is a gift to show you how much I love you. The Bible says actually in more than one place that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, in you, upon you, and in you, when that happens, it is the seal that allows you to know you belong to him. And if you purchase that, then you can like run out of currency. And you're like, he's like, well, I'm tired of working with you. I guess I'm going somewhere else where they got money. Hunger and thirst. Believe hunger and thirst. This is, the, this is the recipe for being filled and experiencing the power of God moving in and through your life. Just pull your car up to the station and say, I need some gas. I need some filling. I need your love. I need an, I need an encounter with you. I'm desperate for you. And he just reaches over and he just starts to fill, 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 fill. But here's the thing. You and I will find ourselves creating a currency to try to pay the attendant for his presence, for the filling. We use prayer to do this. Well, if I just put in my time, if I just put in enough prayer time, then I'll earn some Jesus favor or some Jesus bucks and get some presence from that currency exchange. How about worship? Oh, if I just worship and then I worship enough, then I'll get some presents. Our worship is not currency to exchange for his power or his presence. You don't buy his presence with your worship. You give it to him because he's glorified and he's amazing and he's worth it. It's not just singing, even if you're terrible at it like me. It is my clearly an act of sacrifice when I praise and worship or sing or dance because I'm not any good at it. In fact, I get really tired from singing. I'm like one song, I'm like, oh, geez, how much longer? Because I'm weak. <laughs> I'm a weak singer man. Maybe you're like me. So I pray a lot in worship and I just tell him how good he is because I get tired of singing because it's hard for me. It's a sacrifice for me. And I enjoy the music and the song and all that's great. But I'm just telling you, I'm not doing it for me. I'm just giving it to him because he's that good. That's worship. But when we worship because we're like, oh, I need this feeling or this experience. I want to feel accepted or I want to get something from God. That is not what worship is about. You don't buy it. You don't put in your prayer time and then get something good from him. You don't do that. That's not what it is. It's like, oh, if I read my Bible, then God's going to love me enough. He's going to like me enough. And he's going to give me something. I'll feel him. That's not how it works. Those things don't build up his currency to purchase the presence. He says, I don't need any of that stuff. I want you. And your need and your hunger is what draws me to you. Because there's a longing in you that I made for a longing that I have for you. And I'm coming. I'm coming for you. That's what the Lord says. I'm coming for you. Just, just I want you to hunger and need and want to go on a date with me. 
I want you to date me. I want you to go out. I want you to like me. Wouldn't be much fun if I'm taking my wife out on a date and she's come kind of like, no, she really doesn't want to be there. I mean, why would the Holy Spirit really feel any different? Loves you the same, but he wants you to want him. Thinking of a really good 80s song right now. <laughs> want you to want me. I need you to need me. All right. The Holy Spirit loves our hunger. <laughs> I think that was the 80s. It feels like the 80s to me. It was a long, long time ago. When you hunger and thirst for him, he fills, he refreshes, he makes new. He is drawn into this relational encounter driven by your desire for him. Every day you can wake up and fellowship with his presence. Every single day. That new everlasting life, that eternal life can be bubbling up inside of you. Look at this, John 7, 37. On the last day of the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said rivers of living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to every believer or everyone who believe, is believing in him, but the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So he's speaking of what we were going to encounter when we believed in Jesus and then believed in the Holy Spirit and were baptized with the Holy Spirit, we would experience this river of living water. Rivers never stop flowing. The Holy Spirit's river is always flowing and you just get it, you have the opportunity to encounter and be a part of and fellowship with that when your hunger is there, you're thirsty, go drink. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Being weak and you, and you knowing it, being weak, you knowing it, admitting it, and then going to the, taking that need and weakness to the power source is one of the best things you can do because then you show off God's lavish, ridiculous love for you. Because you're that Samaritan woman at the well who could never be qualified to have an experience with the living God in your righteousness. But thank God, qualification of righteousness is not on the grid for him. He just did it so you, and I, so you and I could have it. So he would show us how much he loves us. All the time he's just trying to prove to you how much he loves you. That's it. Ephesians 3.14 as we close with this. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength from his spirit unlimited resources. Love that. That's that river that never stops flowing in your life and your heart. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand 
all that God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. You don't have to understand this. This is the bucket time when Jesus is telling the Samaritan woman, you don't, I don't need a bucket. I don't work on this natural stuff. You're playing and you're thinking, I have resources you know not of. He's just like, listen, you don't have to understand the Holy Spirit and figure it all out. So, before you experience him. The apostles show up and they go, you guys are missing something. Everybody line up here. I'm going to pray for you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And they're like, boom, what? That's all you need is believe, faith, hunger. That's it. And, and, then, and then the opportunity to receive. Anyone, everyone who thirsts, everyone who goes to him gets filled gets touched, gets saved. I love that we just don't have to know it all. And sometimes we want to have it all, like read the Bible somehow and figure out from the Bible some theological position like that would, now I know enough to where the whole, I can do the Holy Spirit thing. No one in these experiences had the Bible to do the Holy Spirit thing because it didn't exist. Thousands of them got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it changed the world with no written word. Now we have the blessing and benefit of it. Don't make it an anchor or something that keeps you from the Holy Spirit because you have to know it all. The Lord made it so beyond your knowingness that you can't. It is just a step of faith out of your hunger and need and He fills. Now all the glory who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God wants to do something radical in your life. He wants to come in and fill you with his Holy Spirit. You first have to believe in Jesus. Then believe the Holy Spirit is God and say, God, I want all that you have for me. Holy Spirit, come. Invite him into your life. And if, if you, for some reason, get stuck here, come, have someone lay hands on you and pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. That's why we have a prayer team and we believe in the laying on of hands. Something happens in relationship with God and one another that he just made it this way. It's about need. God loves us to be needy for him. When you figure out you're needy for him, you'll stop being codependent for others. That's a word for somebody here today. You'll stop needing others for things only God could give you. And you know what's going to be amazing is when you stop being needy for others, you're going to have friends. Codependent people become some of the loneliest and most isolated people on the planet because they wear everyone out around them and then they struggle with toxic shame thinking what's wrong with me people really don't love me and now I realize I really am the thing I was so afraid that everybody would think about me Jesus is saying 
just let all that stuff down. That's the bucket in the well. You can't do all that stuff. You're putting your hope, your dreams, your love, your desire, your need, your hunger in the wrong thing, the wrong place. Put it in me. And codependency will die in your life. You'll find acceptance in him, not based on what you've done, but by how much he loves you. And all of a sudden you're like, what is there to measure up to anymore? Kind of nothing. It's all about experience from that point in his love. What a beautiful God. What an amazing God and a beautiful plan. It's the best plan. I mean, the more I realize and more I'm understanding about God's plan, it's miraculous and unbelievable and so simple and so incredible. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? If you're here today, Jesus is real. If you've never met him, Bible says really simply, we've all messed up, we've all missed it, we all need Jesus, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father, into his presence, except through the blood of Jesus, the life of the Son, the sacrifice of the Son. The only requirement is you believe in Jesus. That's how you get saved. That's how you get access to all this. If you're here today and you say, that's me, I'd love to pray right where you're sitting. I would love to pray with you. Would you stretch your hand in the air and I'll pray with you. Thank you. Anybody else? Jesus, I'm ready to just receive you. Awesome. I see your hand too there. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. Jesus, I believe you're God. I receive you as my Savior. Rescue me from my sin. Fill me with your love. In Jesus' name. Anybody here, you want some Holy Spirit? Come on, you need the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Will you stand? Can you stand up, church? And let's just reach our hands up to heaven and let's ask the Holy Spirit as we transition just from now into some worship. If you want someone to pray for you and lay hands on you, come down to the front. But let's worship Him. Jesus, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we believe you're God. Come on, Holy Spirit, you are God. And we hunger and thirst for you. We need you in our life. Will you come and will you fill me? Fill me afresh and fill me new. Restore, restore my soul. God is hungering and thirsting for you. God, will you just meet me right now? We love you. We worship you, Jesus. Let your love come down and fill our hearts. But God, we just pour out our love on you today. And we ask Holy Spirit for that filling in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.